0: Welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members.
1: Hello pilots and welcome to another episode of Props Public Safety Podcast. I'm John Winky, And I'm Mike Wall. Today's topic is gonna be SOPs or SOGs and how they benefit your department. For those of you that do not know what an SOP or an SOG is, what do we got
0: Mike? Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, this is something <laughs> you're supposed to be familiar with. These are your standard operating procedures or standard operating guidelines, whichever you call them. They're essentially the same. You don't know thing. what an SOP
0: or an SOG is. Well, and you're in public safety. You're in the wrong podcast. You in the, well, you're, not the wrong, you're in the wrong profession. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So as we know, everything
1: that we do, and I mean everything, is written out in an SOP or an yeah. SOG, or it's supposed to be written out in an SOP, and an SOG. Yeah. And you would be surprised how many public safety operators I talk to. And I'm like, oh, so what do you got for SOPs? And they're like, ah, we don't, we, we don't do that. Well, you, you, you hear- I'm like, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like how? And you hear it a lot often. And- I hear it that they don't have them more often than I hear it's, it's, that they have them. It's crazy. And you know, we focus on a lot of pilot preparedness, and training and training and training but you need to have a foundation of what you're training on and to have that foundation you need a proper sop or SOG.
1: absolutely a hundred percent but we have sops on how to tie our shoes (laughs) but yet this you know, object that's hovering over your members does not require one. You have one for your traffic stops. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're pulling over, you know, an old lady who just blew a red light and there's an SOP for that. But yet the piece of equipment that you're, you know, hurtling down a hallway isn't, you don't have one on that. It it just makes zero sense. And then what I normally hear, the most common cause is, oh, well, um, we're too small. We don't need that.
0: It's not a size thing. It, it, it's, no, it's it's not. I mean, what what do you what do you, what do you do uh, at a private dwelling let What's that? Right, I run around. Oh yeah, I run around. I run around. But you follow. An I it. look for a bucket. But, but you follow, <laughs> bucket brigade. I, I look for a hose. But you follow. An S, but you follow an SOP. Right. Correct. Based on whether you're first due, second due, third due. Right. The position that you're in. Exactly. Right? And it's broken down. Now, that doesn't matter the scale or the size of your department. No. Absolutely. It's still broken down as to how to operate safely and effectively. More importantly, that whole thing
1: is that the friggin'. It's written down so you could teach other people. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> You're not the only person there. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be the only person there forever and be like, oh, well, it's just me now. I'm the only one that knows how to do this. I can't pass this in. No, you give people the book and then you say, hey, do you want to do what I do? Read this book. It's going to tell you exactly what you need to do to become me so when I leave and I go on my retirement, you know, to Key West or wherever the hell you plan on going. Key West, yeah. Yeah, you you you're not really worried about whether or not that dude is gonna make it to the back of that building or not. Yeah. Because if you read the book, you know where you're supposed to be. Yeah.
0: Eventually, but yet you
1: don't need that for your drone pilots.
0: Yeah. Eventually, so how do you I'll
1: build on, scalability? Eventually, I'll
0: be on a beach with a styrofoam cooler and a red umbrella. Nice. Right? Nice. I'm not going to field the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to
1: skip it across like just, it's a rock in yep, a lake? That's it.
0: that's it. I like it. So I'll see if I can get three or four skips out of it. I'm sure you could. It but, depends. It's all on the wrist. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely in the wrist. But, wait, but you, what you Is need this to Is this before like, you open the cooler or after? Because, yeah, I, uh, I mean, after you open the cooler, you might get like two or three. Yeah, that's true. You know? I actually... You'd be surprised. It actually, it actually goes gets a little better before it gets significantly
1: worse. Yeah. It depends on how you know open that cooler was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it's several hours open, then I could see that thing sinking like a brick. Exactly. Like you're trying to skip a cinder block.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but Definitely off topic oh, here. But. Totally off topic. But you might have to, the point is you might have to write the SOP or SOG, At, right? And you in, should. And the idea of you writing it is to pass that information along to members that are currently working and future members that you know will eventually be. Well, it also it adds a method of how to scale your program.
1: Mm-hmm. So the idea is not just begin a program and and just have a program. It's okay, now I've been doing this for a year and a half. I would like a day off. How do I get how do I train somebody to fill my shoes on my day off. And you can't do that without SOPs. They add a level of standardization. So if I were to train a pilot and Mike were to train a pilot, we both are go- capable of training a pilot, yet there's going to be little differences and little nuances within our training, which is going to now start to separate, you know, into two different styles of training. And without that that SOP to standardize that training, yeah. Yeah. you're going to wind up with multiple pilots flying in multiple different platforms now, I, that, now I, versus multiple that, different ways. That said
0: standardization is key. And I like I like bouncing around to multiple trainers to get different perspectives on how they fly and how they operate, right? And there's subtle nuances between each pilot and how they fly, right? It gives you a little bit more of a well-rounded training. Absolutely. 100% but agree. like you said, it's all based on a standardized platform or standardized training uh, procedure, right? So you're still following those core guidelines on how to operate. It's just, you're adding your own personality a little bit to your own flying style, as I I like to call it,
1: which is unique to every single pilot. Mm -hmm. Every pilot operates a little different. It's built off of, you know, comfortability, familiarization with the equipment, um, knowledge of the equipment, familiarization with flying UAS as a whole. And you know, there's so much that's built into that. But the main thing is, like your settings and we'll we'll use you know thermal being the key one, because that's what we use for the majority of our settings. if your incident commander is used to seeing you know things in a certain you know color palette with a certain you know um, isotherms set, and now you change that now they can start allocating resources based off of data that they're misinterpreting yeah uh, so now they could be sending members into harm's way or pulling members out of area that you know is you know perfectly fine for them to operate in um based off of just you know them misinterpreting the data because you decided to click a couple of buttons mm-hmm. on the screen and it really does come down to that and that's what that standardization that's what those sop's basically they give you like a structured guideline on to you know what is to be expected of you at what time and for what operation it's also pilot protection Absolutely, because you could write in your SOPs anything like, all right, a commercial driver is, they have to take a break after every so many hours of driving because it becomes unsafe, but yet there's no law that protects pilot fatigue, Yeah, you know, for our UAS operators. And you're flying a piece of equipment above your members' heads, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 so, and
0: <laughs> we also, also know how in the department or agency, how that hierarchy works and right? how sometimes there's pressure as a pilot to um to complete a flight to complete a flight when you obviously shouldn't be completing that flight having an sop or sog um allows you to fall back on that to give you a buffer and protection as a pilot to say well i can't do it and this is why
1: yeah absolutely and even if it doesn't give you that buffer to you know say oh i can't complete it because of my sog uh sop or sog what it does give you is it gives you the time to Analyze your SOP or SOG, which is more like it it slows you down. Yeah Which is gonna allow you to really think about what you're about to
0: do and if you could do it successfully or not And and ultimately it's the decision of the pilot as to whether to fly or terminate that flight or anything Correct, but having an SOP or SOG which is internal with the department or agency departments and agencies tend to look at that paper, that internal paperwork a little bit more than if you say, well, the FAA says blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So it can release the pilot from a stressful operation, which is, you know,
1: crucial, but allow, just allowing them the time to stop and think it out uh, and not just rush into it. You know, all right, do I have this? Do I, can I do this? Can I do that? Do I have the right team in place? You know what? Get me another two VOs and we can make this happen. Mm -hmm. And like now instead of just throwing it up and getting it done, 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 quick, 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 like we're so used to, sometimes just taking that step back and slowing the roll, is all a pilot really needs um and the yeah. sops and sogs allow you those protections so they can be used to protect they definitely bring standardization they bring a way to train they bring a development and they create standardization amongst yeah. you know all your deliverables so you know everybody knows kind of what to expect from you know the operators regardless if it's you know, you or I or, you know, somebody else operating, they're guiding the same
0: results. So, so, so think of the failure that you have put upon your department, on on your program. If you, if you don't incorporate an SOP or SOG, you're yeah. setting yourself up to completely destroy your program. Yes. And, and, you know, we focus on the need to have more than like one UAS. We focus on, the need to constantly train our pilots. Um, your SOPs, your SOGs it, it are all part of this. Absolutely. And your trainings are developed from
1: your SOPs, yeah, your yeah. SOGs. Your operations are developed from your SOPs or SOGs. So you say, all right, well, this is my mission objective. We'll just say private dwelling. This is what is expected of me. Let me write that into an SOP mm-hmm. following this guideline and create a checklist for, for this particular mission Within my SOP SOG, what my settings are supposed to be, what I'm supposed to look out for. Um, you know that my main causes of interference are normally power lines, hose lines, tower ladder operations, and you know birds. We'll say that's normally what I should be
0: looking out for. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and but that changes as oh, you go to let's say uh, collapse. You know now it now it becomes magnetic interference. Uh, it becomes uh, um, exposed steel and, and rebar, right? Mm-hmm. So the potential to to hit more obstacles. The natural right? gas. Uh, natural gas is always is always a present. So yep. so when you write your SOPs or SOGs, you know there are there's a commonality to you know yeah. birds and everything else, but and but, positioning just yeah based on collapse and am I positioned outside the
1: potential for further collapse? Mm-hmm. You know, my I, I don't want to be standing right underneath this you know six. Rest of the sixth story, which is hanging up, you know, standing up with duct tape and bubble gum. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like operating my drone, paying no attention to what's going on on that one piece. But it gives you
0: placement. It gives you how to operate, how to operate safely and effectively. It's also very broad. Yes. And and that's another thing we're focusing on. we, We might be, you know, talking about SLPs and SOGs and you might be thinking... Oh, it needs to be very strict and and structured. Absolutely not. And No, no, you want it to be a little bit uh, a broad topic to give your pilot some uh, workflow that- You could always write in your SOPs, SOGs, at pilot discretion. And that
1: covers a a huge ground, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's basically, can the pilot do it safely? And they're gonna look at their operation and say, all right, well, yeah, with this, that, and that, and these factors in place, yes, I could do this safely, or no, I can't do this safely. Um, I would need x y and z to do it safely, and could we get x y and z then you know what i mean like but the more important thing like like everybody feels that these things are gonna like constrict them and it's really not about constricting the program it's about giving growth to the program without SOPs SOGs you can't develop trainings you can't train Mm -hmm. new pilots you're not going to have consistency in your deliverables you are just slowly treading down the rabbit hole of Mm -hmm. failure um and then just by writing a couple of pieces yeah well it's not a couple of pieces it's a lot of work um But maintaining your SOPs and SOGs as well allows for new growth, new development. Just because you have a standard operating procedure doesn't mean you can't test new products. It just means that when you're operating on a scene that you're going to operate a consistent way and then slowly
0: roll out that product if you feel that it it meets your use case. And it gives you the ability to, to develop training missions that are structured and based on the real world events real world events yeah yeah and i know with us like i know that
1: when we're testing out a new product we'll we'll go through our entire mission at the completion of the mission then we'll go up to the incident commander and say hey we want you to check this out um this is something that we've been working on uh we're just looking for feedback on it everybody's kind of relaxed everybody's scaled back a little bit and they're more Willing to listen to you at that time. And then we kind of just say, this is what it does. This is how it works. Is this something that would be effective to you in your operation? Can you see any flaws within it? And we discuss that further. And then we ch- do a little bit more training on it. And then we bring it to, you know, yeah. someone and so else. We don't just basically say like, oh, by the way, we, we switched this to this. Here you go. Because that just adds confusion. And if you're adding confusion to one of our scenes, um, things go wrong. And things go wrong badly. When yeah. Yeah, I mean, just like we mentioned, isotherms, the wrong isotherms can make the entire building look like it's on fire. Absolutely. Um, and that's going to be a big deal because they're going to stop pulling, you know, people out of everywhere. And meanwhile, they don't need to do that and they're just wasting time.
0: But it's nice to go at, at, the, end of, uh, at the end of an operation to talk to, you know, uh, the IC or something to um, discuss things that we're developing uh, because, well, they've just seen the, the proof and the data while we were on scene, right? Correct. So now when you come to them and you say, oh, we're working on this, is this something that you can incorporate in, into you know your workflow well they're they're more inclined to at least look at it absolutely and offer feedback on it because they've seen the proof and the data when you were operating at that operation absolutely and we find that it's just
1: easier to work that way um especially when it comes to testing new equipment okay. so the main the main thing that we get also is that people feel well operators feel that being a tech sector that it's so fast, you know, you you go out, you buy an M three hundred, and next week an M thirty comes out, and the week after that the M three T comes out, and you're like, oh crap, I want them all, yeah. and you feel like these SOPs are going to hinder your operation, but they really don't. They can be adjusted, they can be tweaked, they can be edited. We recommend, you know, analyzing and going through your SOPs at least quarterly to to keep up. With your SOPs, if they become too far outdated, um, so if you're if you're operating on SOPs that were written for an Inspire One, where you're talking about pilots should not exceed more than 20 minutes of flight time, uh, that's going to be a hinder. Considering your yeah. M30 is well above that, you know any drone that you get nowadays is going to be above that mark. So, you definitely got to make sure that you keep up with them uh, or else they're just going to become so outdated, they're going to be useless. And that's going to happen in a, a shorter amount of time. I mean, the way, you know, SOPs have been around, especially in firefighting for so long, uh, we really haven't evolved much from, you know, the bucket brigade to, you know, tower ladders and hose lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a slow progression up to there. Yes, technology has changed, but it hasn't changed to the point where it's like every, every year something innovative is coming out that's, you know... Changing the way we operate, but in our field, it definitely is the case. So you definitely have to evaluate SOPs and stay on top of them a little bit more. But they are a godsend, and uh, in, in my professional opinion, I mean there is nothing that's more solidifying to your program than a good set of SOPs and SOGs. And the fact that operators aren't taking the time to
0: at least address this, or they're too scared to address this, uh, definitely needs to be discussed. It also makes your program look good internally when uh, when people start to look at it and they say, "Well, how, like, how do you guys like? What's your day to day operation at like a, a private dwelling? What do you guys do?" And well, well, it's all written out here. Like, yeah, take a look at
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even when we bring in like new pilots and stuff and we see their faces when we're like, oh, congratulations. Well, this, you got to learn this. 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 Oh, when you're done with that, we'll take you around the rig. And they're like, the hell did I just get yeah. into? Because it's literally so much. This is where you're documenting this. This is where you documented this. We want you to read checklist, this pilot
0: checklist, book. Checklist, checklist.
1: Yeah, checklist. Here's, here's a set of 40 checklists, <laughs> you know. Oh, by the way, we need you to sign in here. We need you to sign in here. You gotta create a login for that and you need an email for this. And it's like they they didn't even get in yeah, like one yeah. foot in the door and they already got, you know, hit with a workload. And we gotta run yeah that's (laughs) tremendous and that's because there is a lot going on especially in the technology field and A lot of guys and girls, they know when you operate, it's not, oh, fire up the drone, go fly. It's fire up the drone. What do I have to troubleshoot to get it to fly?
0: Oh, wow. There's another update.
1: Yes. Like it's never cut and dry. It's never, you know, oh, I'm just going to hit the button and off it goes, does its thing and lands. And what a great day. I think I had maybe two of those days where everything just worked perfectly with no updates or no, you know, little hurdle to jump through. majority of the time we're troubleshooting and to have those structures in place on what to do when to do it and what is your bare minimum requirement of at this particular scene is game changer because it allows you to stay within those guidelines and make sure that whatever you're doing you're doing for good reason Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely and so solidify your program with proper sops and
1: and sogs and if you need help writing your sops and sogs props public safety We do them for you, we write them for you. Um, Just sign up to Props Public Safety and we'll write them.
0: We can go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not as hard as you think, but definitely take a look at your SLPs, SOGs. If not, at least start developing them. Um, It's just gonna help you really nail down your program in the long run. Absolutely. All right. And this concludes Props Public Safety Podcast. Any more questions on SOPs, SOGs,
0: you can reach Mike at 917. (laughs) Stay safe, fly safe, and we will see you at the big one. At the big one. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.